Praise the Lord. That was lovely this morning. Lovely worship. And it's Easter week. As you know, many people are away, but you're here for a reason. And uh, I believe it's this word. I have prepared my heart. And if you're here this morning, I believe the Lord wants you to receive this and act upon it. I want to thank the session for bringing me back so quickly after the last time. Really appreciate the opportunity to preach in my home church here in Dundonald. And I dropped the tie for some of the young people this morning to make you feel a bit more comfortable. Praise the Lord. That was a big ask for me, you know. I had to seek God about that one. But I've dropped it anyway. Um, praise the Lord. I hope you all had a good Easter and had plenty of eggs. Um, I didn't. And, and I'll tell you why. There's a chocolate woman lives in our house and uh, her name is Louise. And we had three eggs and they all disappeared before Easter Monday. <laughs> and uh, I had a cup of tea, sat down with the old biblical movie, you know, as you do, uh, on Easter Monday night. And I said, Louise, I'll have my egg now. And she said, well, I have a confession to make. <laughs> it's not there. She said, but I kept you one. I said, oh, that's very kind of you. Bring it down. And there it is. I kept it as a little memento. I couldn't even eat it. So beware of the chocolate woman in your house, brother. Praise the Lord. But on a more serious note, I have a subject this morning. And it's amazing. It was confirmed before I walked in the door. Because I'm going to speak on a man that you know well in the Bible, a man called Joseph and as I came in the door, a lady approached me and she said, I was given a book this week, and I've been reading it all week, and it's about Joseph. I hope you're going to preach on Joseph. And I said, believe it or not, I am. And so there's a lovely little confirmation. But when, when preachers talk about Joseph, they often speak about him uh, from the forgiveness point of view, about how he was able to forgive his brothers for a terrible deed that they did to him. And and I know that's an amazing story, but I don't want to actually concentrate on that this morning. I want to speak about Joseph from another perspective. I want to look today at the subject of mission and gifting. Not the mission of the church, but your mission as an individual. And I want to look at your gift, the gift that God has given you. Joseph, as you know, was known as the king of dreams, a miracle child, someone who could not only dream but interpret dreams as well. And yet terrible things happened to him, and he continued to believe in those dreams. I want you to know that when I bring this word this morning, I'm not bringing it to be sensational. I understand that there are people here who have had their dream taken away from them. There are people here who are broken. There are people here like Joseph who have been put in a pit and falsely accused. And, 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 and false accusation is a terrible thing to deal with. There's people who have been put in a prison, maybe not a literal prison, but they've had a, a terrible time. And I want you to understand this morning that Sometimes we don't realize that that can actually work in our favor. And I know that's an amazing thing, but 
You see, God sometimes works in ways that we don't understand. And so I've titled this message, Who Told You to Stop Dreaming? Who Told You to Stop Dreaming? If you look at Genesis chapter 41, I'm putting my glasses on in case we get into trouble with my notes. Genesis chapter 41, we're going to read one verse at the beginning, and then we're going to skip down the chapter to two verses, and I'll kind of explain in between what happens between verse 1 and verse 14. Chapter Genesis chapter 41 and verse 1 says these words, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, we know that that dream that Pharaoh had came not after Joseph had been in prison for two years, because he'd been in prison for quite a while. About two years before Pharaoh's dream, Joseph continued to do the right thing. And when he was approached by a baker and a butler to interpret their dreams, he did so willingly. He told the baker that he would hang on a tree. Imagine having to give someone a message like that. And then he told the butler that he would be restored to his position. But he said something to the butler before he left. He said, remember me kindly uh, to the king. And of course, the Bible says, and the butler forgot Joseph. And so he spent another two years in prison. But God orchestrated it in such a way that when this king dreamed a dream, he dreamed about seven years of plenty and seven years of famine, but he couldn't interpret it. He didn't know what it meant. He sought all the magicians in the land, and none of them could help him. And he was troubled. The Bible says he was troubled in his mind. Have you ever been troubled in your mind about things that are going on in your life? You'll do anything to get the solution. And, and so he, he's speaking to the butler, who was his cupbearer. And the butler says, oh, I do remember my faults this day. There was a Hebrew man in the prison. His name was Joseph. And, 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 and a baker came and asked him to interpret the dream, and he was able to do it. And then I asked him to interpret my dream, and he was able to do that as well. And that takes us to verse 14 of this reading. And here's what it says. And then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream, and you can interpret it. And this is what made Joseph a special man. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And I want to finish with one last scripture before we hear this word this morning. It's Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16. And here's what it says. A man's gift maketh room for him, 
and bringeth him before great men. And we know that the Lord will bless the reading of his word today. As I said to you, I want to talk about gifting and mission. And I believe that it is God's will for all of our gifts to shine and to excel for God's glory. And contrary to many misconceptions, brothers and sisters, the gifts of God are given liberally and equally uh, to all of us. They're not just for pastors and, and deacons and elders and, and certain other people. Every person sitting here this morning has a gift from God. It might be a gift to preach, or a gift to prophesy, or a gift to administer, or a gift for healing. It might be a gift of interpretation like Joseph. It could be a gift of encouragement. But all of us have gifts from God. Romans 12 and 6 says, if you prophesy, uh, uh, then prophesy. Stick to your gift. If you teach, then teach. If you administer, administer. But I love what it says at the end. It says, but whatever you do with your gift, do it with diligence. And you see, Joseph understood his mission, brothers and sisters, and his mission was simply to interpret dreams. And when you have a gift like Joseph had to interpret dreams, you often find that there will be hindrance along the way as well. Go back to Genesis 37 when he was a 17-year-old boy. Joseph made a rare mistake in his life. And the mistake was this. He shared his dreams with his brothers. Be careful who you share your dream with. Because you see, not everybody is a lovely little Christian waiting to roll out a red carpet and give you applause and say, welcome to the church. But Joseph learned the hard way. He shared his dream with his brothers. He dreamt that they would one day bow before him. And then he dreamt about the sun, moon, and stars, the very universe worshiping. And no wonder the Bible says his brothers were angry with Joseph and became jealous of his dream. Listen to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, and cast not your pearls before swine. I went to see a lady this week, a precious lady, an anointed lady, a lady who I love in Jesus. And this lady, I could trust her with anything. And I shared some personal things with her because I know she's a lady that prays. But I wouldn't do that with everyone. And do you know why I wouldn't do that with everyone? Because I wouldn't want someone to take the lovely things that God had given me and spoil them. And that's what happened to Joseph as a young man. He gave that which was holy to dogs. You know, jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And whenever the brothers saw Joseph coming into Dothan, they had a plan. They said, here comes that dreamer. Isn't it amazing how they already knew what Joseph's gift was? They could see the gift of God in him, and jealousy wanted to destroy it. Because, you see, Joseph's dreams were real dreams. 
They weren't far-fetched dreams. They weren't what I would call cheese and toast dreams. Have you ever had a cheese and toast dream? It's pretty crazy, isn't it? The next morning you think, how did I dream that stuff there? But there's a lot of cheese and toast dreamers in the church. And they dream far too often. Joseph had two dreams at the beginning and he interpreted them 22 years later. He didn't dream every week and he didn't dream every day. And we need to understand these things. You see, the cheese and toast dreamers. A man got into my car one night, I remember many years ago, taking him to a church. And he said, I had a dream last night. And when people say that to me, I think, "Uh uh-oh, is it going to be a good dream or a bad dream? And he said, I had a dream last night. And I said, what was it? He said, I I dreamt I was driving a, a milk float in the sky and I was chasing a guy. He said, can you make anything of it? I said, his name wasn't Ernie, was it? I said, brother, you've either been watching too much Benny Hill, I didn't say Benny Hinn, Benny Hill, or you've had too much cheese and toast. Simple. You see, there's cheese and toast dreamers. But by the way, there are real dreamers. Amen. There are good dreams. There are biblical dreams. And dreams are biblical. And Joseph had them. Dreams are visions, brothers and sisters. Maybe that's why the church is in such a mess today. Because the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Daniel had dreams. Jacob had dreams. Paul had dreams. Joseph of Nazareth was warned in a dream in order to protect Jesus. You see, they all had a gift of dreaming and of interpretation. And the brothers, when they noticed that Joseph had this gift, tried to destroy him. Think about it when he's coming into Dothan on his own and the brothers are away in the distance. Think about the conversation, what it must have been like. Here comes that dreamer, that, uh, that little half-brother. He's not even our full brother. That little accident, the wee accident in the family. Have you ever been described as a wee accident. There's no such thing with God. Amen. God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. When I was growing up, I was a twin, and my brother's called James. And for the first seven years, my mother used to wheel us in the pram down the main street, and we took all the adulation that was going, because twins do that. They're always the center of attention. And we took all the adulation and all the the attention, and it was lovely. But at seven years old, a little rival was born into our house, and her name was Jillian. And she suddenly took over, and she took all the attention, and there was a bit of jealousy in James and John, I can tell you. We weren't too happy about it. We had a couple of conferences. What are we going to do about this girl here? She's just taken over in this house. But you see, she wasn't an accident. You know why? Because my sister, and I can say this hand on heart, is one of the most beautiful girls you'll ever meet. She's a beautiful, thoughtful girl. She's been a rock in our family. She has been such a blessing. You see, God had a purpose and a plan for her life. And it was the same with Joseph. There are no accidents with God. You are not an accident this morning. Romans 8 and 28 says, for we know that all things work together for good for those who are the called of God. Listen to this. According to his purpose. God has a purpose for you today. Now, I know what you're thinking. 
Well, if that's the case, John, why is my life stuck in the rut that it's been in? Why have these things happened to me? And why am I struggling the way I am? Well, let me give you the answer, and it's the only answer that I can find in the Bible and in my own life. The answer is simply this. It's all about timing. And by the way, it's not just about timing. It's about God's timing. You see, Joseph's story reminds us that though he was put in a pit, and though he was sent down to Potiphar's house and then falsely accused and put in prison, God still had a plan for his life. And imagine a man like Joseph who was so righteous and holy and who was so so dedicated to God. Imagine a man like that being falsely accused. A man who loved the Lord and yet he was falsely accused. That's a terrible thing to happen to anybody. My wife and I watched a program recently and it was about a man who'd been put in jail in America for 60 years for a crime that he didn't commit. Imagine that. And after the 60 years, they accepted that they had got it wrong and they released him. And apparently they gave him $20,000 for every year that he'd been in jail. That wouldn't compensate anybody, would it, for 60 years of a missed life. You see, he was falsely accused for a crime that he didn't commit. And this was Joseph, an innocent man, locked up, forgotten by men, but here's the good news, not by God, not by God. You see, he he was a man who was able to interpret the dreams of the baker and the butler, and yet the Bible says the butler forgot Joseph. Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever thought that your gift is on hold? Have you ever thought that maybe your gift is not a gift, that it's not going to be used? This was Joseph. How many times did he sit in the prison and think, God has overlooked me. The Bible says the butler forgot Joseph. The brothers forgot Joseph. Potiphar forgot Joseph. Potiphar's wife probably forgot about Joseph. The church, if he had one, forgot Joseph. But you know, the good news this morning is that God did not forget Joseph. Amen. And if you're sitting here and you're frustrated this morning, I believe this word is for you because God has not forgotten you and he hasn't forgotten your gift. Listen to our text today, Genesis 41 and 1. And after two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. God orchestrated it so that Pharaoh wouldn't be able to interpret the dream. There was only one man who could do it, and his name was Joseph. What am I saying? Your gift this morning is your passport to freedom. Do we understand and know what our gift is? Because if we understand what our gift is, it will lead us to our mission. Listen to T.D. Jakes. I like what he said in one of his books. He said, mission leads to position. I'm going to repeat that. It's so good. Mission leads to position. If we don't understand our position, or sorry, if we don't understand our mission, we can't find our position. And so just for a few moments before I close this morning, I want to look at how did Joseph's mission lead to his position? Well, the first thing we see, number one, God maneuvered him into his position. Now, notice that I said God opened the door. God maneuvered him into his position. He didn't bring himself into it. What we see today in the church and even in the world is a lot of manipulation, That's different from maneuvering. 
Manipulation translated in the Bible translates as the word witchcraft. That means there must be a lot of witchcraft in the church because there's a lot of manipulation in the church. People scheming and trying to open this door and open that door and open the other door. But the problem with that is once you get that position, then it all goes pear-shaped and you wonder why. It's because God didn't have it for you. Because when God calls you to a position, it's not because of who you know, it's because of what you know. Hallelujah. It's not because of who you know, it's because of what you know. That's why Proverbs 18 and 16 says, a man's gift maketh room for him. Not a man's manipulation or a man's family or a man's contacts. A man's gift maketh room for him and it brings him before great men. We don't have to scheme our way, brothers and sisters, into a position that God has already ordained for us to have. I've been preaching for 20 years, and I mean this. I've never asked to preach. And I'll tell you why. I made a vow with the Lord at the beginning. The day that God stops asking me to preach is the day that I know he doesn't want me to preach. But when God asks me to preach, when someone comes and says, would you preach? I know that the Lord is still using me. And therefore, I can go with confidence that I'm going in God's strength and not my own. The word maneuver, by the way, means to steer. means to guide and to drive. It means to direct and it means to move. But here's what it also means, and I love this. It means to plot. In other words, God was plotting Joseph's success. You see, while the brothers were plotting his downfall, God was plotting his upgrade. Can I hear an amen? Have you ever had an upgrade in a hotel? Isn't it lovely? You get there and you think you're in the standard room, and the girl says, by the way, this is your lucky day. We're giving you a penthouse suite. Praise the Lord. It happened to me in Vienna once. It's only once, but it was an amazing experience. You see, that was the favor of God, wasn't it? The favor of God. You see, they are downloading while God is uploading, to use a computer word. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, plans to bless you, not to harm you, but to give you an expected end. And think about it. Joseph's father, Jacob, couldn't understand why his son had been taken away and he thought he was dead and, and, and there was one time in his life when he said, all these things are against me. But he didn't realize that God was working away in the background and that the son that he thought he'd lost was being prepared as the prime minister of Egypt, as the savior of Egypt, as, as one who would come and rescue Jacob's family when the famine came to Israel. You see, God doesn't work like the world, brothers and sisters. That's the problem. We expect things in the church to go the way the world goes, but it doesn't work like that. The Bible says, my ways are not your ways, and neither are my thoughts your thoughts. The world elevates us to demote us, but God demotes us to elevate us. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here with me this morning? Who am I speaking to in this service? The world brings us up to knock us down, but God brings us down to lift us up. What a Savior and what a Lord He is. And once you know that, you can have a peace wherever you are. Joseph was a beautiful 
type of Christ in this respect. Because as he went, as he was rejected by his brothers, the Bible says that Jesus came onto his own, and his own received him not. As he was put into the pit, and then into Potiphar's house, and falsely accused, and then stuck in a prison for all those years. What a picture that is of Christ, put on a cross with the blood flowing down, and then put down into a tomb, and they thought he would never come up again. But the Lord said, on the third day, he rose again. Hallelujah. What a Savior and what a Lord we serve. Praise his lovely name. Look at his life, Joseph. The pit, Potiphar's house, the false accusations, the prison sentence, the ungratefulness of the butler. Have you ever done something for someone and they haven't come back to say thanks or even give you some form of appreciation and you've been left out in the cold? It does happen, folks. But Joseph continued to believe in his dream. Trouble was his transportation, is what I'm saying. It seemed like he was going down, but all along, God was bringing him up and maneuvering him into position. And then secondly, this morning, I want you to notice that not only did God maneuver him into his position, but Joseph managed his position, no matter what was going on. And and that's important because it's easy to praise God and to worship God when the paycheck's coming in and when the promotion's just arrived, uh, whenever we've been uh, given some form of uh, acceptance or popularity. But what happens when the sky caves in and when our world begins to fall apart? What happens like Joseph when we end up in a pit, falsely accused and down in the dungeon and stuck in a prison? Are we going to continue to praise God at times like that? There's a difference between praise and worship. Praise is when everything's going well. You know what worship is? When everything's going badly. Worship comes out when we are in a nightmare situation. Something like Paul and Silas. Remember how they cast the spirit of divination out of that woman, and and they did a good thing. But what happened to them? They were persecuted. They were put in prison. They were put in stocks. But the Bible says at midnight. Anybody going through a midnight experience at the moment? Anybody wondering why they are where they are? Listen, at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing praises. And the Bible says that the the prison doors flung open. Even the sleeping guard woke up and was fearful for his life because he couldn't believe what had happened while he was asleep. See, when the devil's sleeping, God can do amazing things. Amen. When the devil's sleeping... God can do amazing things. Joseph continued to believe in his dreams and in his gift of interpretation, even while he was in prison. And by the way, prisons then weren't like today. Can I hear an amen? You see, there was no recreation period for an hour during the day. There was no early release scheme in Joseph's day. There was no pocket money uh, no such thing as a Chinese on a Saturday night if you, if you were a good boy that week. Joseph was in a dungeon. Joseph couldn't even see the sky, brothers and sisters. But yet, like David, he was anointed for trouble. Consider his position. Consider his plight. Here's a man who was called a miracle child by his family. 
You're going to do great things for God. You're going to grow up one day and be a mighty preacher. You're going to grow up one day and be a mighty prophet and servant for God. <laughs> That's something, isn't it? Lying here in this dungeon. That's some dream. But Joseph didn't look at it that way. Joseph continued to hold on to his dream. I heard a story this week about a man in America who wanted to play for a top American football team, and he got himself into shape, and he got himself ready, and he got himself to that level. Then something happened, injury or whatever, and he never realized his dream. But this man went on to be a successful businessman, so successful he became very wealthy. And guess what? The team that he always dreamed for playing for, he ended up buying the whole club. You see, he never let his dream go away. Who told you to stop dreaming this morning? What has God promised you? Keep believing, brother, and keep believing, sister. Maybe you're going through debt today. Let me say, God can bring you out of debt. Maybe you're going through divorce. Divorce is not the end. It's a difficult situation, but God can restore you after divorce. Maybe you're, you have unruly kids. You, you dreamed of having kids that would serve the Lord, but they're, they're not going on with God. Keep praying for them. God can touch their hearts. Maybe you've had a terrible bereavement in your family that has been like a tsunami and wiped out the whole family. Those things are hard. I feel your pain when I say those things. I'm not saying those things lightly, but here's what I'm saying. Don't give up on your dream. Who told you to stop dreaming? Don't let injury derail you from the purpose that God has for you. Satan's setbacks are God's set-ups. Satan's setbacks are God's set-ups. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Keep on dreaming. It was meant to stop you, but it will end up promoting you. I'm going to say that again. It was meant to stop you. It was, but it will end up promoting you. Trouble will move you to your mission and on earth your gift. Look as trouble, look at trouble as a friend. Because believe it or not, it can be. When I was in Romania a number of years ago, I remember uh, I was out in the car with my translator one day, and we were driving into the city. We were on the outskirts of the city. And I couldn't believe it because Romania at that time was a very third world country. The people were poor. And suddenly I saw this brand new showroom opening up Mercedes-Benz. And I thought, who could afford that here? And uh, there was a big, big sign right outside the shop window. And actually, that's where I got my title today. It said, who told you to stop dreaming? Isn't it amazing how the human spirit can continue to dream, even when it looks completely impossible? Don't stop dreaming, because when we stop dreaming, we start dying. It's never too late to get your dream and your prayer answered. Think about the thief on the cross. How do we know that this man didn't have a, a passion and a desire all his life to be a good person? But he wasn't. And right at the end, he got his opportunity, because he looked at the Lord who was on the other side, and he said, he said would you remember me? When you come into your kingdom, and Jesus said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It's never too late. Learn how to manage your position, even 
when you're in prison. Keep sweet. Keep doing the right thing. It's not easy to do the right thing. I understand when the wrong thing is happening. I like what Joel Osteen said. He says in one of his books, the biggest test we face is discouragement. Life is not always fair. But if you keep doing the right thing, God will get you to where you're supposed to be. Joseph's brothers took his coat of many colors from him, brothers and sisters, but they could not take the calling in his life. They left him penniless, but he wasn't left godless. Because if you read the story of Joseph, everywhere you read, it says, and God was with Joseph. What a man he was. And then finally, as I conclude this morning, number three, not only did God maneuver him into his position, not only did he manage his position no matter what was happening, the Bible says there was a manifestation of his position. That word manifestation, as many of you know, it simply means an evidence of, a demonstration of. Hands up if you like to eat out. Anybody likes to have an odd meal out. If you've gone to restaurants recently, I'm sure you'll have noticed it's slightly changed. Uh, whenever they bring out the meal now, it's not the old-fashioned plate. You get the steak and the potatoes and then the, the, the vegetables over here. It's like a work of art, isn't it? It comes like in a soup bowl, and they build it all up. Your potatoes are in between and the steak's in there. and It's all very nice. It's lovely. The presentation's magnificent. Problem is, sometimes the food's stinking. <laughs> isn't that right? But sometimes it's not. And when you get the presentation right, and the demonstration, right? I tell you what, sometimes that's what you call a good meal. And presentation of the gospel is important. I believe that. We need to present it right. We need to present it skillfully. We need to present it in love. And all these things are important. But you know, I've had a slight change, a, a, a shift in my theology in the last few years. Because you see, I think demonstration is even more important than presentation. There's a lot of presentation today. People are working hard at creativity, and they're working hard at this, and working hard, and those things are good, and praise the Lord for it, and may we keep doing those things, but may they never take the place of demonstration. Carter Conlon says, there is a difference between presenting Christ and letting Christ present himself. I think that's worth a, a pause break right there. In fact, I'll read it again. There is a difference between presenting Christ and letting Christ present himself. We are not here to present an argument, but a demonstration, brothers and sisters. People are not saved through the winning of arguments, but by the wonder-working power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You see, Joseph could have gone to Pharaoh and said, I serve Jehovah God. He's the God of Israel. He's the God of, of Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. He could have gone and given them a Bible study about who God was, but he didn't do that. You know what Joseph did? He interpreted his dream. He, he did what nobody else in Egypt could do. And no wonder Pharaoh said, where can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God lives. His gift was proof of his calling. And your gifts are always followed by signs, aren't they? 
praise his name. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Demonstration is what gets the attention of the unsaved and this world. But demonstration comes in two forms. Not just in God's anointed power, but in the love of God as well. Isn't that interesting? You see, notice how Joseph demonstrated great love and forgiveness to the men who tried to destroy him. When they came eventually and realized what they'd done to him, and they asked for forgiveness, I don't know what way they put it. It could have been something like, oh, Joseph, what have we done to you? We're so sorry. Joseph just said, hold on, fellas. Wait a minute, guys. Let, let, let me be gracious here. And here's what he said. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. It was all planned by God so that many people could be saved. You realize that what you're going through is not for you. It's for other people. It's not for you. It's for other people. I've often thought, Lord, why am I here? Why have I to put up with this? But God's saying, because there are people who need to learn from your experiences. The greatest demonstration of God's true nature was not when Elijah called down fire from heaven, but when heaven came down to mankind. That's why the book of John says, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Prophecy is good, but the Bible even says in 1 Corinthians 13 that prophecy fails, but it also says that love never fails. And the world is in trouble today. And do you know why it's in trouble? Because there's too much presentation and not enough demonstration. Romans chapter 8 and verse 22 reminds us of, of, of where the world is right now. The whole creation is groaning, it says, for the manifestation of Christ's return. Just as Jesus grew from a boy to a man and matured, and just as Joseph, the youthful dreamer, uh, became a mature man of God. Can you see the similarity? The church before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ must mature into a church of demonstration rather than presentation. The world is desperate for answers, and it's easy to give up. But I want to say this as I close. Who told you to give up? Who told you to stop dreaming. Presentation alone won't suffice. Only demonstration will do. Pharaoh is having his dream again. There's one for the young people. Hashtag Pharaoh is having his dream again. Here's what you do, young people. Write down all the things that the governments can't answer that the world can't answer, that your family can't answer, that the unsaved can't answer. Write them all down and go to the Bible and get the answers. What a wonderful thought that is. Because listen, hashtag Pharaoh is having his dream again. Pharaoh had a dream and he couldn't interpret it. But the church could. Hallelujah. The church had the answer. And the church, through Joseph, gave him that answer. Who told you? 
to stop dreaming. After two full years, Pharaoh had a dream. Now, I'm sure you're wondering why I didn't mention what happened when Joseph was called. I want to close with this. The Bible says he was sent for. Pharaoh sent and called for him. And notice what it says of Joseph. It says he shaved himself. That was the first thing he did. He changed his clothes and he came in before the king. That spoke to me because here's a man who's reverencing an earthly king. And we are living in a generation where respect and reverence has completely gone out the window. People are not taught manners anymore. And when people come to church, they don't see this reverence for God the way they used to see it. Louise and I watched a program recently on TV. It was called Inside Claridge's, the top hotel in London. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a remarkable program. And it, it, it showed you the attention to detail that these people go to to make everything right from the, the time that you arrive until you leave. But there was a lobby porter interviewed and, and it showed you his job and his function. And his function was to keep the outside of the house clean. And he went about lifting people's feet off seats and telling them and reminding them that this was Claridge's. It wasn't a normal hotel. Oh, I don't know if anyone's with me this morning, but we're not in any ordinary place this morning. Amen. We're in the house of God. We're in God's sanctuary. Uh, and yet we see running about people with feet on seats, people eating. Listen, folks, this is the house of God. This isn't the omniplex round the corner. This is the house of the living God. And don't be angry with me because this is what the Lord has given me. Because here's what I believe. You see, when the church respects and trusts God again, as Joseph did, then miracles and signs and wonders and solutions and healings are going to return to the church. Who wants to see a move of God? Is there anyone here? Then we've got to get our own house in order first. The Bible says that. It tells us and reminds us to get our own house in order first. Joseph went into an earthly king by shaving himself and by changing his clothes. Listen, I hope this message this morning has blessed you. And I want you to remember the three little thoughts that I've brought. God maneuvered Joseph into his position. He didn't manipulate his way in. And, and he managed his position, no matter what was going on in his life. And finally, there was a mighty manifestation of Joseph's position. May the Lord bless you this morning. Thank you for coming out at holiday time and encouraging me to bring this word. The Lord bless you.